business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now. One of the reasons I love this podcast and and have been doing it, I think we're on, you know, we're in our mid 80s now, and it never ceases to amaze me about different businesses. And this one, this one's about laundromats. And you would think that, you know, it's a it's a laundromat. How exciting can that be? And I've, I was, I was just talking to Chuck Post. Chuck Post is the author of the book, The Laundromat and an American dream business and entrepreneur's playground. And so I, I, I have to admit that I came into this interview thinking that, you know, this is just going to be about, you know, how, how investors shelter income, how, how to, you know, keep your equipment in, in good condition, but it was anything but that. I mean, this is about, you know, this is more, it, it's an investment, a, a, a substantial investment at that and communities and, and social media and different ways to attract people that are a saving people time. This isn't just, you know, in the middle of, of, of the dilapidated area, you know, and, and you're fighting over a quarter. This is, this is a destination location. And, and that's the kind of, of laundromats that this guy's talking about. I, not in a million years did I think that, that our conversation was going to go this way, but I, to, at, at the end, I totally understood and bought into the direction and why laundromats make so much sense as, you know, as an entrepreneur's, you know, as part of an entrepreneur's portfolio. This is a, this is a heck of a business. And I'm certain any seller, any business owner that, that owns a laundromat will be sitting there you know, just in awe of what can be done and how to do it in order to make your business saleable and what to do in order to, to command a premium value. So I hope you enjoy. And I, and I shouldn't say I hope I'm certain you'll enjoy my conversation with Chuck Post. He is the author again of the laundromat and American dream business and the entrepreneur's playground. Well, welcome to the show, Chuck. Well, hi, Ed. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, before you came on, I had kind of given everybody a high-level overview of you and 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 your practice, but mm-hmm. I probably didn't do it justice. So, can you <laughs> talk? Can you talk a little bit about what your practice and 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 how you're serving the laundry community? Well, yeah. Basically, we we are uh, consultants to laundry investors, uh, whether they own a laundry or are new buyers. Majority of our work uh, is probably towards the new buyer, bringing them in. Because while the laundromat is a very simple business to operate, the investment model is extremely complex, and that's where people fail. Uh, in fact, the turnover rate on laundries is is like four years, maybe five at best. Are, huh? Well, yeah, because people don't know what they're buying. They when they get into it, they're not prepared. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and it's funny. We we have historically 
we talk more people out of business than into business because yeah. they just don't understand what they're getting themselves into. And I think that's just across the, the board, but yeah, well, let, first thing, let's, let's talk about your book. So you wrote, yeah. literally wrote the book about the laundromat. The, it's called uh, the laundromat, the American dream business and an entrepreneur's playground. So, so can you talk a little bit about it first, and then we'll dive into some of the questions. Oh, twist my arm, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you uh, the um, uh, the book is uh, is uh, deeply inspired uh, from my through my career. I've been wanting to do it for many years, and actually, it was when COVID hit that I put my mind to it. I've been writing at it, you know, for a year or two ahead of time. But COVID came, I put my uh, mind at it, and Got it done, uh, and I brought out the first edition a year ago, but it was poorly edited. I, I did everything I could, spent way more money than I should have trying to get somebody to edit it, but they just, people weren't working very efficiently at that time. And uh, so I published it and, and uh, started the revisions on it, and we've just completed that. The revised uh, book is now coming online uh, probably within a week or, or so at this time, and it will be available at our webpage as well. Nice. The book, the book goes into in depth of what people need to know about this business, and it tells all the secrets. You know, um, uh, we we uh, um, uh, spend a lot of our time uh, helping people out of problems when they're when they own a laundromat. You know, because the simple reason, yeah. and this is the most important thing I can tell your listener is that a laundromat is developed at a huge cost of infrastructure and and so on and so forth. And the leases are typically 25 to 30 years long. With uh, It's broken into a 10-year period possibly and a series of five-year options and this sort of thing. But the equipment only lasts 12 years. And the equipment runs about $6,000 per machine. I'm sorry. Okay. There's a little pause. So. No, no, I... I yeah, no, no, I, 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 um, I wanted to ask. You said twenty-five year leases, so I'm, I know I'm uh, probably getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that seems like a lot of time to to have a personal, like you know, a, a, you know, likely there's a personal guarantee. Mm-hmm. Likely, I mean, I mean, the ones that, that we've seen, I'm sitting here going, well, geez, that's a twenty-five year with a. T- with a personal guarantee, and then I go to sell it, I've got my personal guarantee sitting there, and, the, and my landlord has no motivation to let me off the hook. You're right. Okay, so let me let me take a minute and, and kind of run it down for you, because right. I think I'll bring some light to this. First of all, Please. the cost of developing a laundry, you know, in California right now, is $150 a foot. Plus, that doesn't count bringing in the transformer and if it needs and that sort of thing. Okay, so there's a, a more cost than that. But that's about the construction cost to create a laundromat. Then you have all the equipment to buy. The average piece of machinery that we put in a laundry now is over $6,000. And we're putting in maybe 30 to 40 washers and maybe, you know, spending about half that amount again in the dryers. And then you've got maybe $100,000, $150,000 in pay systems. Uh, 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 change machines and so on and so hot water systems. You know, uh, we like to put things like sanitizers in the laundry, which brings more homeowners into the stores and things like this. So 
the cost, you know, for a small 2,000 square foot store, six, 700,000 new. Okay. So <clears throat> the fact okay. is, is that if okay. that's not done right, the first guy's going to have a hard problem maybe making it, you know, unless he's got a real plan. But, you know, it, so it kind of depends on how he buys it. But that's a different subject. So going on no, no. from there. You're right. Yeah, going on from there, um, he needs to operate it for a period of time. It'll take him six months or so to bring it up to where he needs to uh, uh, pay uh, everything. And maybe only a couple, three months of carry costs. But about six months to bring it up to a base level model, which is we build models uh, in, a, in a particular way uh, in our business. And maybe we'll have time to explain that a little bit. But once we once we build that model and and restore everything, you know, then we know what what its value is. Okay, once it hits a certain level, we, we basically the most common multiplier of of profits or cash flow, I should say, is sixty times monthly, or or for about a twenty percent buy-in return on investment. Okay, that's a lousy yeah. return on investment in my opinion, because I know what these stores can do and what kind of returns they really can make, all right? But for most people, that's about the buy-in level. And they may find after making some corrections, it's down closer to 17. But if they're unfortunate enough to really? purchase a store that doesn't have a sustainable path, and this is the problem, is that people buy a laundry thinking that the equipment will last and last and last. They just have to keep fixing on it. And nobody that's selling the store will tell them any different. You know, the brokers <laughs> no, don't go right. out of their way to say, yeah, but, yep. you know, you're going to, because you're going to have to invest another $300,000 into this business. And here's the other thing. Nobody's going to sell it until this equipment's about eight or nine years old if it's doing well unless a life situation erupts which is, you know, not as common as, as, as you hear about the reason for selling to be, you know. <laughs> but uh, but the, the sure. fact is, is that um, uh, when it's time to sell it, um, you know, they have to have something to sell. And if it has no sustainable path for that buyer, so when you buy the store, you have to set it up for success. And, and as you said, you, do, you are signing personal guarantees and on the hook. And the landlord may or may not be willing to let you off the hook upon assignment. That's something that we do negotiate. Laundry leases have specific re requirements, but we do negotiate that in laundry leasing. Um, if if somebody has the common sense to use a laundry expert to help negotiate the lease, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the the uh, fact is is that uh, when somebody buys it, you're only on the hook for that initial ten years unless you pick up an option. But even at that point, every time the laundry transfers, we need to renegotiate the lease to extend those terms, you know. Uh, and and uh, when, we, when we go into what sellers need to do to prepare uh, or buyers need to do to prepare, we can, we can cover these in more depth, too. Yeah, well, one of the things that you brought up had to do with the equipment. I a uh, couple weeks back, I had an equipment appraiser on, and, and and it goes right to the same thing that you're saying that that you know they go to they get ready to sell, they're not reinvesting in the equipment. You know, for me, I don't look at depreciation in 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 a laundromat. I mean, I I, I just that's deterioration. I mean, I think adding that back is probably I don't want to say misleading, but I. I that's 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 a real number rather than just accounting you know and so i guess where i was heading with it is when you 
when you're looking at profit, how are you defining it? I mean, is it true net profit? Because you're talking 60 times monthly profit. Well, how is that defined? Like true net, yeah, true net profit? No, there's no depreciation or taxes there. You know, we, we're, we're a very interesting business because those of us who are, have an expertise or, or are well in, in understand the science of the laundry, uh, have no problems with that because we know the advantages when we replace equipment. Right now, we go, we are going in and replacing equipment in stores that are still, you know, barely breaking even. Maybe their profits are down a couple three thousand dollars or so, you know, uh, but they're still breaking even, paying the if, unless something big happens to them. But they've got old equipment and they have the the lease is is wound down. Maybe they have fifteen years left or less. Okay. So they have no exit strategy, all right? So somebody comes in and buys this like that, and unless they know what they're doing, this is happening all the time, and that's why people are selling the stores. They get in and then discover that the equipment's done. Yeah, let me explain something. Laundry equipment is not not a fixture like people may think it is. It's, it's while it's bolted to the floor, and even we even excavate down into the floor to put in a trap to hold these high extracting monster machineries, you know, even all that. Right. What it is, it's a consumer use product. And if it don't look good, if it don't work good, you know, if it stalls out in the middle of a cycle, you know, it, it, then then all of a sudden it's a bad review and you're branding yourself negatively. On the other hand, if you look at it like I do, uh, you know, when we replace equipment, we make it major improvements. As one example, and I can give you many others that are comparable, as an example of a store that we actually transferred initially about two and a half years ago, and it was a, a new store opened up on the same parking lot <laughs> just down the road, you know, a big brand new laundromat, right? It was a bank building that the guy bought, and it wasn't part of the center, but it still shared the parking lot. And uh, it clobbered the owners that were there, people that I dealt with for several years and stuff, and they ended up closing the store. And they sold, and another guy took it over. Um, uh, it, there's, it was a funny story, but he ended up taking it over and uh, reopened it and cleaned it up, and he replaced a bunch of equipment with better used equipment and things like this. Was, yeah. So at any rate, but it had a big nut. You know, the, the rent was... Eight grand or something uh, going up from there, and uh, uh, and here he is doing seventeen. Half of his money is going to the rent. Um, so anyway, that's his, uh, so he he reopened it, and then this new laundry came in after that, and and he had gotten up to about twenty two, twenty three thousand, fell down to seventeen when the new laundry, and he said, Uncle, and I was able to pick it up for one of my clients because we we that's how we work. We work through our clients on these issues. Yeah, we we had one that was had had the uh, uh, the the faith in us and the uh, uh, the faith in himself to pull this off. So we bought that store very cheap, and there were things that we discovered that were very beneficial to the buyer through that course, as far as the way the store was set up and and costs were going out, things like that, that made immediate improvements. And then we changed the operations of the store. The equipment was still working. But we knew it was done, and, and we were going to need to replace it. So we replaced, right away we replaced it and added a couple of big machines. And he went back up to about twenty three grand right away, back to where that other store was in his heyday before the new store even opened up. 
So we knew we were okay. So we went and retold it and put in new equipment. And he bought, the dryers were still okay. So we put in about $200,000. So he's into this thing for about three fifty now. So uh, we went ahead and retold it. And we built the numbers up to 40 and up, above $40,000 over a year and a half of, of different types of things that we do. When we move a store forward, there's a lot of strategies in place because we're competing against people who are charging very little for the wash and stuff and things. So what we do is create that community environment that people want. It makes more people come in. And we use strategic marketing and address the issues in the various communities and are intelligent about our, our, our uh, marketing. And uh, today that store is uh, well past 50. We, we uh, just a shortly, uh, not too long ago, we added a 135-pound washer which are 15 loads of wash. And it's turning more than any other machine in that store, and we're going to add another one. Okay? And so, I mean, this is huge. So this guy this guy uh, bought a store and was fully expecting to make 20% hoping to do better. Okay? Well, I mean, where is he now? Right. You know, I mean, uh, not to mention what the store is worth. But here's the issue that goes back to that lease issue. If you don't have a long-term lease, he has nothing to sell. The landlord owns that store. Right. You can't, you know, if you don't, you can't sell something with 15 years and under in this business and offer a sustainable path huh. that allows you to sell the store. That's, no, that's a good point. Um, well, the funny, the, the funny thing that we keep on hearing, well, let me ask you, you had mentioned about the community. Tell me what you mean by that. I mean, I, I look at a laundromat, I'm like, what, what kind of community is a, you know, do you go to the laundromat for community? You know what I mean? Oh, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, if you, if you have uh, 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 handy a handy, uh, a cell phone, you can go on Google Maps and look up a corner wash in San Diego, California, and take a look at that thing. And I have pictures. I uh, The story okay. is in my book. I could even send it to you at. Because uh, um, uh, I have oh, it as good. a separate sheet. Uh, when we create stores that look like that and have a sanitizer system in it, it's fully staffed. Things move slow. There's entertainment. There's uh, their TV and music. There's a, 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 a nice lobby. People can get over in one section. There's a, there's a Wi-Fi table. They can sit there and work. Or they can eat a snack. Or they can even fold clothes at there. They, we have places where people can go and get away from others to be by themselves. We have places where people can commune. You know, a community laundromat reaches out, and it's involved in the community. It sponsors sports teams and, and organizations and has programs to support and, 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 and move out the homeless situation from the store and fights graffiti and operates it like a real business. Uh, you know, we, we are looking for uh, entrepreneurial investors that – want to go that next level. And when we do that, see, here's the thing. Only 10% of the general population or thereabouts use the coin laundry. You know, I, that may surprise you. That's it really, be, it should be much yeah. higher. It, okay? it, it does. But when your well, feet stick that, to the yeah, floor and it sticks really in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When, when your feet stick to the yeah, floor and it sticks well, in there, you don't well, go. That's it. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, um, when you, when we start talking about that, you know, I, I think there's a, a pre precondition or you know that a lot of laundromats are just that it's it's in the low income communities and it, it's it's serving that purpose and and I'm not certain that 
that that's what we're talking about here. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming there's different levels of laundromat. Yes or no? Oh, there, I, I mean, it would take us three hours to discuss them all. It really would. There are so many different – there are different communities that you're in and different problems. There are destination right. stores. There are stores that are in shopping centers or rolling out a lot. And each of them have different challenges and different opportunities to capitalize on. The problem is we don't have – and we are gaining these people. And your listeners are probably some of them because they're interested enough to learn things. But but uh, but yeah. the fact is, people buy a laundry, then they find out that it's not all that, that they've got to reinvest in it, so they're struggling to keep it running. They're not looking at the big picture. They're focusing yeah. on getting by from day to day. You go in there and talk to them and say, look, what you need yeah. to do is invest $300,000 in new equipment. Well, they just chase you away. So they stay there, and they try you know, fixing it, putting Band-Aids on things that are drastically broken. On Maybe they'll paint it up nice and try to get it nice looking in there. They might even throw some staff at it, but staff by itself won't increase your income right away, and it, there's a lot of carry costs in changing the model. If they don't start with a strategy sure. during the acquisition, then th typically they lose out on going forward. In fact, I tell people, I, I hear all the time, Chuck, I listen to all your gonna, uh, good ideas. We're going to implement them. We'll get in touch with you after about six months of operating the store and see how we're doing. I know I'll never hear from them again unless I call out to see if you're ready to sell it. You know, I mean, the, 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 that's just the yeah. facts of things. So if you don't, if you don't complete the, the acquisition, which includes revamping the store, because you're never, almost never going to buy a store that's sustainably run in good condition, okay, uh, for any kind of a price that's ever going to carry you out forward without some awfully good ideas and, uh, uh, to do it with. So we, we do. We're always looking for that done store. We can buy them cheap and put three or $400,000 on them. And they're doing ten dollars or $15,000 now. I mean, we're buying stores as low as $60,000, $60,000, and then putting in this kind of money and turning them into stores that are netting eight and ten and $12,000 a month. Okay? So that's where the money's at in this business and yeah. the smart people. And then you can stack those. You know, when you get one, you can, you can uh, leverage it for the down payment on the next one. So people who are goal-minded uh, have that capability in this. Our business focuses on the entrepreneurial investor who wants to take on this business sure. and really maximize it. We're not, we're not supportive of the franchise. We're supportive of the individual community business. You know, uh, 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 franchises are great, and there are some dabbling in our business. They have. I've, I've worked with some in the past, but they all forget one thing is that each market area is so different, and the laundry is such a part of the community that needs it. The idea is to, right. to, to gain. That's where our base model comes from is that necessity of life business. Altogether, we are a necessity of life community yeah. service business. That is our real place in the world, okay? Yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting because, you know, I think there's – we see so many of these – buyers that just believe that, hey, this is a cash type business that I can shelter, you know, shelter income and you know, it, it, it's not the, it, it's not the sexy entrepreneurship business that people, you know, like a manufacturing company. I, I produce widgets. Um, so I guess two, two things there. One, I mean, it seems as though the business has it has has evolved 
and the ca- whole cash, the, the you know the hiding of income is has gone away because so many people are using using cards now. And that's my first question. And then the second mm-hmm. is is why why do you think the business is, is so sexy for you know? For, for people. I mean, what, what, what's the, what's the attraction? Because this is a, such a huge investment and a law and it, and it takes a while to recover that investment, you know? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, um, I, I, your first, your first topic was what, your first question was what again? I wanted to yeah, answer that. First question had to do, had to do with, with, um, with how revenue is recognized, whether it's cash or you know, I guess there's, you know, there's always people that, that are, that are, uh, yeah. you know, uh, sheltering cash, you know, well, and it's hard to buy a business when, when it's, when you, when you don't have that, um, that type of, um, accounting that well, you can rely on, you know, that yeah. somebody's ripping, you know, stealing from the business. And I'm certain you see it all the time. We we don't worry about it. Uh, quite honestly, we know how to figure out how much they're making doing use analysis, and which which by the way, a lot of brokers and sellers and stuff they had over works. It can be tricked anyway. You know, well, it's not true. It can be tricked, but if it's not right, there's a reason for it. Water doesn't just evaporate in the line. You know, so we're able to figure out uh, uh, the income based on an analysis that includes collections and a process that we. Have. We actually have a, a uh, an acquisition kit that includes the due diligence, and then we we help them go through it. You know, and, and nice. we offer that online uh, to anybody. And then we we work closely with people who serve, uh, uh, go on with our service programs. But basically, so you can determine now about that. You know, it's true. A lot of people always felt that they didn't need to reporting. You have so many write offs and stuff. You know, you report your darn income. You know, I mean, seriously, you have depreciation. I know of so many cases back in the old days when I was doing a lot of this. I'd find a guy who who accelerated all of his depreciation and everything like that and sold his business and had a ton of recapture tax. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a logic to the way you do things. But that's that's up to the individual. And you're right, it is getting more difficult. But that's not the advantage. I mean, the advantage is... To make it easy. So we do. We have several different pay, pay systems on a single machine today. We have the, the coin as a hybrid system, and which we highly recommend keeping uh, still and probably will for the next decade. Uh, we also have in the newer machines, the companies have put into their programming a pay system, the touch system. Okay. Because you sign up and you're on an app and then you can utilize it right from that. And that's, you can use your credit card or ATM and that sort of thing from there. Then we also have a third-party system that's an attachment that people can slide their cards in, which we find people prefer rather than that computerized application system where they have to bring out their phones and stuff. So, but, so we make it very easy to use the machines, just like Ray Kroc did the hamburger, you know. And that's been a big issue with us for a long, long time uh, is, that, uh, is that the pay systems were uh, crummy. And now we, you're talking about putting 30 and 40 quarters in a machine. It's even a burden, right? So. Uh, yeah, and now, uh, um, no, that so makes, that makes so in and in the result, you know, it is a little bit easier to get accurate readings, although not entirely. <clears throat> uh, we still do the water analysis anyway because it tells us a lot of different things about the turn levels and other things that we we like to know, uh, and um, uh, a lot of that is in the uh, 
uh, the programming, and a lot of it is is just allowing you to be hands-on discovering things. You know, it's one thing to look at a program sheet and say, oh, okay, everything's fine. It's another thing to walk through the machines, seeing what's out of order at the time and all that. So we, we uh, are uh, big on due diligence because it's critical. And we expect the machines to be at a very late stage in most cases, uh, which we can, we, we can easily discover the age of the machine. And when they're older, uh, they also are less efficient, which means that a lot of the benefit will be in lower utility costs. And sometimes we can drop the, price, the cost of utilities by 30, 40, all the way up to 50% and even more, depending on the circumstances and the equipment being used, which is huge because overall that's about 10% of the gross, you know, the water and sewer costs. So all these things matter. So we're analyzing this store not so much for what it's doing. We want to verify that the guy was doing that much because he should challenge the price if he didn't, right? That's easy for us to do. That, that's so easy I can't even tell you. Right. What we're looking for is a path forward. What do we have? What kind of a lease is it? Okay. What, what do we have to get out of it? All those things. And then we, create, then we establish the framework for a new laundry investment for the new investor. We do it every time without fail. If the store was three years old, we would do it. It doesn't matter, okay? We have to prepare it because very few laundries are set up for true success by the investor. They're set up for success by the developer and the landlord. <laughs> okay. So, but if I'm a, a buyer and and this is my this is my first one, I and I'm trying to figure out what is the best way to go about buying it. And and if I'm the seller, this this is what I should anticipate from any normal buyer. So what's my process? Take me through how how I how as a seller I should be working with the buyer, and you know from a this these are the these are the areas of value. You I think you you've already talked about the equipment. You've talked about the community. Are there any other value drivers as a seller that I should be amplifying in talking with the buyer? And as the buyer, if I'm, as I'm looking at this, you know, you've already talked about the lease. You've already talked about, you know, the quality and condition of the equipment. How am I, how am I marrying those two together? Does that make sense? Well, it, we, we provide service to sellers, the laundry owners who at some point in time want to sell sometimes right away, you know, very frequently. And sometimes they sure. are willing to prepare themselves for a good transaction, you know. And if they are, then we, what we would do yeah. is encourage them to get that lease negotiated so that some incentivized broker or the buyer doesn't go in there and piss off your landlord and everything else and make it more even more difficult for the next guy. So the most important thing is to pair right. the store so you have a saleable product to sell with, with an exit strategy for that buyer. If you can do that, you're going to be able to sell it easier, faster, with a lot less people falling off, you know, uh, and so on. The other thing is we, we have uh, um, what we call model basis report that identifies all of the uh, challenges of the store itself, the equipment condition and stuff like that. When we work for a seller, we, we, we bring out that report and create it for him just as we would for a buyer to fill out if he's, if he's challenging a sale. So uh, uh, by the seller doing that, we're looking at the deficiencies, and then he has a choice to either correct them or acknowledge them. So there are no questions. You know, the worst thing is these deals fall apart. You, uh, brokers selling stores two, three, four times sometimes to get a sale to stick, you know, because it's not ready. Uh, is that 
is that the job of a broker? It shouldn't be to restore that. The, the broker should sell something that's ready to sell. Okay, we are our person. Yeah. We our services do that that restoration for people. If they're prepared to sell it and then they put it on the market, you know, they should be able to list it at pretty much full value and expect the buyer to come back with some discovery issues, maybe related to the age of the equipment and things like that, to further down the price. But the fact is, is in our business, a store with old equipment can still sell at high high value, honestly, if it's sustainable for a, for a few years at least. And, and the benefits of retooling, uh, are greater. As a, for instance, if the buy-in is 20%, the return on the added work is more like 35%. So we're now we're looking at a 26 to 30% valuation or, or return on the total project. That's what we're looking for. And then, of course, once you yeah. get all the work done and put in your brand and, and you've got your policies and procedures and staff in place, you've got a go-to person you can count on, you know, my son-in-law, Chris, for 12 years has been going to his laundry once to twice a, year, a, month, a week, period, to collect his money. Nice. And now he put in a different pay system, so he only has to go once a week. So he always stops in twice when he has to go to San Diego for our work. <laughs> How easy is it? All right? You've got cameras. You've got employees. You have, uh, okay? That's the attraction. But if you make it sexy, if you, if you, you know, you don't want that 10%. That's base level. Any laundry that's clean and, and open and machines are running should do that. And that's the way we feel about it, and we prove it all the yeah. time. What we want is that 30%, that 25 and 30% that we're entitled to. And we do that by offering fluff and fold service, attendance on duty, uh, really uh, the right atmosphere when they're there, programs that cater to the individual types of people. If you're in a shopping center, having a, a drop-in shop system where people can put their clothes in the washer, leave, come back and you move them over to the dryer while they're gone. So they keep their products going, right? You free up your machines. You know, you put the programs like this in, you find what people right. appreciate and emphasize it. The fluff and fold is wonderful. And pickup and delivery is getting huge. Uh, what a, uh, and we're seeing stores that were right. only doing $10,000, $12,000 a month in self-service now doing $20,000 also with pickup and delivery and fluff and fold. Huge. It's huge opportunity. And, yeah. And it's how sexy you make it that's going to make you win. And how well you cater to the specific right. community. No, no. So, yeah. And which begs the question, so how – the people you're working with, are how prepared are they? I mean, are you seeing like it, this is like deer in the headlights. Oh, my gosh, this is what I've got to do to make this thing say already. Or are they like, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. A, a consultant in my business has, has been through an entire generation, a store where he's built or retooled new, with new equipment and watched it go from that original owner, live it seven or eight years, be sold to somebody else who wasn't maybe as prepared and discovers that in a couple of years that the equipment's had it and decides to sell it now. Okay, so now your average, you're not say, keeping it eight years anymore, right? You're, now you're keeping it a total of 12, cut in half now, it's a six-year lifespan, right? So now you're looking for somebody that doesn't know. Otherwise, you're never going to get what you're, you've got into it back. So you're waiting for that person to come along that believes the equipment will last forever and that a 15-year lease is okay. And you sell it to him for that 60 multiplier. And it doesn't take him long to find out he made a mistake. Now, he's, now at this stage, the equipment's starting to fall apart. And he's hurt. And he's probably looking for another buyer right now, Okay. So at some point in time, when I enter that, that store again, you know, it's usually not with my 
original buyer because I'm not going to be able to get him the price that he's looking for. I'm I'm too real. Okay, so so uh, they usually go through a couple of experiences at some point in time. When I re-enter it, I usually re-enter it with a buyer who I know because I know the condition of the store and the problems that the seller's having, and I have a buyer that's ready to take it on and do it right. You know, I mean, I set everybody up with a path. Whether or not they take it is always their choice. But, but the the uh, so sure. in this situation, this story is actually in my book. Uh, it was a real nice fireman uh, and his wife who were retiring, and they lived on a boat near the uh, marina that was close to this laundry. So everything was perfect uh, for them. And I told him that, that you know the problem was is that he had all small machines in there, and there was a ton of apartments, and they all had small machines that were cheaper. You know, you're not going to bring people in with that. They need big machines to put their comforters and their blankets and do a whole bunch of loads. So he he said, okay, and that was one of the guys. Okay, I will get back to you. We're gonna we're gonna paint it. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. Didn't need paint, but he put a nice mirror on the wall and stuff. That didn't help the business, and and he raised his prices a quarter. You know, so in the end, after doing all that work, his gross sales came out about level to where they were before. But of course, he was saving a little utility money. But he lost customers in the process to balance that. And that's not the idea. You know, when we go in, we make moves, and we, we actually uh, 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 increase prices and increase participation by consumers together, okay? We grow those two together all the time, So, but without any planning. So now, of course, he's mad at me. You know, I mean, I sold him this damn laundry, and it's no good. And um, so um, uh, I, I listed it for him. And another guy comes along, uh, and he loved the laundry, and he thought it would just be fine. He was comfortable with the revenue, and he wasn't ever, he wasn't going to do anything to it. He just bought a cash flow. He has relatives that own one, and his wife told him he has to get one. So it doesn't take him long. After the next rent increase and a loss of business, because he didn't take care of it as good as the fireman did, then then he's he he's ready to go out too. And then finally we bring in one of our clients, who's another laundry owner not too that far away. Um, uh, who comes in and buys it, does everything right, and he won't sell that thing. He'll, he'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, it's a winner all the way through. It always was. It was just a winner waiting to happen. And that's so true with so many laundries. But if you don't know how to identify them, if you don't know how to restructure everything, you know, you might just bite off more than you ever want to chew, and that happens. So what I'm trying to say is that at some point, um, uh, I, I have had what makes a consultant is in the end, you have a, a couple really having struggles amongst themselves. It's affected their family. The the wife is crying on your shoulder. If not, maybe the husband is too. And they just want out. You know, uh, they they just made a mistake and they just want want out. And when you do that, and when you get them out of that hole the best you can, and when you sell it to somebody else that makes it right, you deserve to be a consultant. That no sooner. Amen. So, what are the structures that you're seeing? Um, Deal define it. That is. Oh, well, you know, yeah. we have good industry financing. Uh, we have to, because, quite frankly, the the books look lousy in most cases. Banks don't want to touch us. We're just there are too many variables for them to get involved in. They they got burned back in late two thousands. You know, so. Um, that's that's so our industry financing requires thirty five to forty percent down, and they'll finance the retooling and the equipment and most of our fees. They, they, not the deal making costs, but the uh, the uh, uh, all the model designs and uh, everything it takes to create that new model. 
and and they work uh, within the laundry owner community very well because they know the needs. So you're not paying doesn't you're you're operating for a full month before you have loan service costs coming into effect and a lot of other things and they're very good. And then of course we also have we have uh, we have a couple of independents, one that we work very closely with, uh, have for 30 years now. And then the factories also have lending opportunities uh, if you're buying their equipment. So, uh, but we usually start uh, getting people approved by the independent lender, and then and then we kind of through uh, a discussion find out what they what their needs are. Because if you don't marry the owner to the laundry, if he's driving 50 miles to get there and he's only netting five grand, he's not going to like it very long. You know, I mean, you've got to you've got to kind of look at the parameter. If he's not willing to operate with staff. Then you need to know that. Look at stores that are sustainable without it or with minimal staff. So we have to know him first or her. Yeah. Well, so you, as, a, as it relates to the financing, I mean, is it – I mean, where, where is – you know, we're at uh, prime at 8% right now. Where, where does financing land for you guys? Well, right now we're running pretty close to 10, nine, three quarters in town. Uh, historically, nine okay. percent so, was normal. So. You know, it's just been, you know, since the the, the collapse and stuff, everything changed, and now we all expect lower interest. Uh, you know, the the fact is, is that, you know, it's it's really a crapshoot to rely on that because it it, it changes things so much from one level to the other. Um, but you know, uh, uh, the loans are refinanceable. You know, uh, with with simple terms, pretty much. They offer a lot of different kinds of incentives and things. Sometimes we can marry in some seller financing. But, you know, since lenders started loaning on laundries, uh, seller financing has become, uh, you know, rare, actually, even rare, because uh, they don't need to. And and it used to be, you know, and, of course, you know, back in the old days, everything was so simple. The machines were simple. (laughs) The transactions were simple. Landlords, I'd have ESCO send in the assignment papers with an extension and, uh, you know, sometimes I remember back in the old days, escrow even closed the sales before we got the actual signed documents back from the landlord because it was, they were so confident from it, from their discussion. You know, I mean, you, hey, man, let me tell you something. Negotiating leases is a whole different world right now. I'm sure you know that. Oh. Yes, I do. It, and it's, and it's a, it's, it's an interesting time to be doing deals. But, but again, I, I these types of businesses, I, I think are, this isn't going anywhere. Ever. It's going through the roof. You know? It fits into the lifestyle of people today so much. Yeah. The people want. Yeah. See, they don't go out as much as they used to, okay? Which also helps promote the the pickup and delivery services and these sorts of things. But at the same time, you know, they have the money. People can afford laundry today pretty easily. You know, uh, to do a week's worth of laundry uh, for an individual is running around $11, $12 a week. It's not much more than it is at home, really. If you if you were paying your utilities and everything else, and having to buy a machine, so it's it's not that you know uh, what drives people. And there's also a fact that people do want to get out and 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 be around other people, but they want to do it in safe environments, which leads to the whole theme of the laundry today. When we cater to the people and the population, we bring in new customers. So that's why that little store that came in on the same property. Did not lose a lot of business. They probably took a 10, 15% hit at worst when we first started going after the market. But we were bringing customers from everywhere and a lot of them out of the homes. And that's what we need to do in this business. Bring them out of the home. Make them smell good. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I do think that this industry, this is about saving time. And anytime you're sa- you're able to save time, you're, it, it's going to be a winner. You, yeah. you, you know it. So we're bumping up on time. And I, I always ask, you know, of all of our guests, you know, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to, to laundry mat owners that would have the most immediate impact on their business if they go to sell? I, I, we, we, uh, stayed in the book on our web. Uh, uh, we do webinars every week, by the way, um, on Wednesdays at noon Pacific standard time. And, um, uh, and they, we are nationwide by the way. Uh, so, uh, we, but we, we always tell people, don't go out and start searching for a laundry. Go look at laundries. You know, see what you like about them and don't like, and then go to the next laundry that they're competing with and see what's better about that. Get to know this business. Attend some webinars. You know, uh, buy the book. Uh, by all means, it's going to tell you exactly what you need to know. My clients that sign up for us, which we we do have a lot of clients working with us. They, they use that book and they refer to it at different stages when we're talking and doing, dealing with different issues. This is a, this is no game business. This is not the investment of laundries is serious stuff and it's serious money. And we make people rich. Okay. My objective is not to make people rich. It's, it, 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 it's to make the community a dang good laundry and a real happy investor at whatever level he chooses to be. But there's no question. We're teaching people how to be wealthy in our stacking systems and things like this. You know, uh, uh, people, uh, it's very common for people to own their second and third laundry in just a couple years. Just a couple, we have a young lady that started with almost no money. We got her into a laundry. She really did everything right that we told her to do. And, and she got the funding for the new equipment and stuff. And she ran it so well and addressed that community so well. She drove the prices up and another laundry came on the market that was all run down. We took that over. Uh, for her, uh, and she was able to leverage her store with only a year in, okay, to buy that other store, and it just got finished being retold, uh, and it's beautiful. It's called the uh, Magic Swan in Pasadena, California, if anybody wants to look at the online uh, Google uh, uh, map pictures and stuff. It's a beautiful store, and boy, it's it's going to cook. It's just getting started now, and it's already at and above where the base level was. So that's what we do, is we we build the base and then we build nice. beyond the base. See, so. I get it. Well, the, the book is called The Laundromat, the, An American Dream Business and an Entrepreneur's Playground. So, Chuck, what, I know we're going to have all of this in the show notes as far as yeah. connecting with you. Um, your, your domain or your website is pbilaundry.com. Right. Your webinars P- are on Wednesday, and you've got good. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I think that, I that's made a noise. <laughs> no, I, no, no. It, it it was a it was a uh, it cut out on me. So the um, I just want to make sure that we know where to find you. Well, yes, a PBI, like in, it stands for Post Business Investments, which was my name when I first got into brokerage. Uh, but it's PBILaundry.com. And our webinars are uh, Wednesdays at uh, noon Pacific Standard Time. Um, and, um, and it's uh, free. You can register at our website for that. And while you're there, I've got some videos to look at. We've got a lot of articles and stuff you can surf through. 
uh, um, and just uh, just a whole and, and we also have a menu of services that you can look at that explains what we do. It's a little you know there aren't a lot of people doing things the way we do. I have 38 years in this business, and I'm doing the things the way I believe they should be done for the benefit of the the industry and the investors in it. And and I'm making I, I, you know and we do a good work because I when we're dealing with leases. We bring the industry to the landlord, not an incentivized broker. We talk to that landlord as, listen, we're the laundry industry, and these are the requirements to have a laundry that's going to prosper. And if he doesn't go along with it, he's going to end up with something that's going to drive homeless there. You know, so it, we make it sure that they it, – so it's just everything that we do is different than what you're going to find in most places. I don't know of anybody else that operates in the same manner, quite frankly. But um, I, I think you'll enjoy the experience. Many do. Uh we leave good projects behind and uh, and teach you good information, and uh, we look forward to working with each and every one of you. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for your time. It uh, truly, it I did not, I didn't, I, I bet I didn't know sixty percent of what you just said. I mean, yeah. I, I had I had a pre pre preconceived notion on how these things work. It just what I've seen in the area, but I, I can totally see the, what you're trying to build and, and those businesses that those laundromats that thrive aren't necessarily the, the, the ones that people assume, you know? So thanks so much for, for, yeah. for being on and helping. And remember Ed, everybody washes their clothes or pays somebody else to do it. Thank you for joining us today on the, how to sell your business podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life-changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO Inc. All rights reserved.